you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, this is Voss here from the ChrisVossShow.com. There you go. And when the Iron Lady sings it, that makes it official. Welcome to Big Show, my family and friends. As always, the Chris Voss Show is the family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harsh as your mother-in-law, because we all know she didn't like you anyway. She told me to tell that to you. You know who you are in the audience. Anyway, guys, we've been bringing you three to four shows a weekday, 15 to 20 shows a week. Be sure to share the show with your friends, neighbors, relatives. You know, the people that come on the show, we handpick, and they bring stories of a lifetime to you. They bring, you know, what we always say, or I always say on the Chris Voss Show, stories are the owner's manual to life. I'm having some cups printed up. We're going to sell some shirts that say that because it's my quote, damn it. At least I think it is. And uh, so that's what you learn in the Chris Voss Show. That's what gives you the Chris Voss Show glow when you listen to it. So make sure and check out all the episodes. You know, for all the 15 years, going on 16 years we've been doing this, thousands of interviews, I, I learn something new from every guest. There's always an epiphany I have on the show, at least one or two, some different ways of looking at it in perspective. And so if you're not getting that same thing, please stop doing whatever you're doing and actually listen to the show already. That or I don't know. I don't just keep listening till you get it because uh, there's, I, I thought I knew everything. And most people that know me know I know everything. <laughs> or at least that's what they tell me, but uh, they don't tell me that. They actually tell me the opposite. Like, You're an idiot. And I'm like, well, I mean, you have a point there. They also tell me I'm an asshole. And I'm like, or they think I'm an asshole. And I'm like, if you think I'm an asshole, you're strong because I am. Anyway, guys, enough jokes. We have an amazing young lady on the show with us today. She's going to be talking to us about her interesting health journey that she's been through in her life and how she can improve the quality of yours and some of the things she's doing in a forthcoming book. Melissa Crook is on the show with us today. She has something she's into called the F-E-E-L, or FEEL, Finding Empowerment, Embracing Layers. I'm still trying to embrace my layers, being a, a, a very overweight man. So um, yeah, I'm trying to get rid of some of my la- layers, but that's what the, that's what the uh, semaglutide or the, uh, what is that called? It's called the oxy, whatever the hell, not oxycontin people, the other thing. You know what I mean, the fat loss stuff. Anyway, she is a woman in her 50s who is working to normalize conversations for women surrounding self-care, emotional health, boundaries, and embracing all of their beautiful and complex layers. She recognized the barriers that women face, particularly sisters in marginalized communities. She's working to create a safe space for everyone and host open conversations to support, learn, and grow. She has the Feel podcast which is for women who are looking for supportive and authentic space to go on this journey together. Welcome to the show. How are you, Melissa? I'm great, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Thanks for coming. We're excited to have you as well. Give us your dot-coms. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Embracinglayers.com. That will have everything we do on there, all the ways you can learn about us, connect with us on socials, be part of what we're doing. That's all there, embracinglayers.com. There you go. So give us the 30,000 overview of what you do and how you do it there. 
what we do is I founded the Field Podcast in July of 2021 with Valencia San Louis and Abby Bikel. And that was out of my own journey of just mm. getting to age 50 and hitting a wall. I ended up in the ER twice in a two week period and had every test on my body done and realized that this was connected to unprocessed emotions, unprocessed trauma that my body had been storing up for all these years that I needed to move through and mm -hmm. and figure out. And I, I've lived all over the country, I know a lot of women, and we as women tend to do this. We tend to hit a wall before we start taking care of ourselves. Um, mm. And there's a lot of narratives around that that we could talk about all day. And we talk about those on the show. What are the narratives that lead us here? How do we get out of them? How do we dispel mm -hmm. the myths? But I realized we got to start talking about this. We've got to start prioritizing ourselves so that we can not only we're worth it, we're valuable as we are, and we can show up as our best selves in the world, but also for our people. We're not, you're not getting the best of us. And self-care is not selfish. It's actually beneficial for all of you in your life. But there's a lot of layers to that. We're talking more emotional layers than our physical layers, but hopefully you can dispel some of those physical layers as you move through some of the emotional stuff. Yeah. But I've got yeah, some so physical layers. Uh, there's one layer that's all tacos, <laughs> and there's another layer that's all pizzas. Yeah. And uh, yeah, stuff like that. I think and those layers stack up a little more as we get older, too. Those layers didn't stack up for me in my 20s and 30s, but boy, in my 40s and 50s, they've liked to show up. I think there's one layer called cake. Anyway. <laughs> So tell us about this. So one month you, you turn 50, you end mm -hmm. up in the ER twice. Tell us what mm -hmm. this experience is like, this cathartic moment that you went through. We had just moved to Lubbock, Texas. My husband had taken a job at Texas Tech University. So we had just moved to Lubbock and I was, we were in a hotel still waiting for our furniture to arrive from New York where we'd moved from. And I had went and worked out. I got back. I took my shower. I calm. I was calm, getting right. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, my heartbeat starts racing. My I start feeling sweaty, dizzy. I'm like, and I could just feel in my body. My my blood pressure's got to be off too. I don't feel right. And I was sitting there going, and my husband had already left for work. And like I said, we'd been there for two weeks. I hadn't even started work yet. And I was like, I think I'm having a heart attack or some mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so I got myself down to the hotel lobby and the poor young college student working the front desk. I'm like, hi, I'm a, you know, my name's Melissa Crook. I'm in room 605. I think I'm having a heart attack. Can you please call the ambulance? And he's like, well, and, and kind of stuttered and didn't know what to do. And they're like, turns out for them, the hotel to call the ambulance. There's a whole set of forms you have to fill out, giving them permission to call the ambulance. And I'm like, I had texted oh, wow. my head. My texted my husband already. His office was like, five minutes away. And I'm like, my husband's on his way. And he pulled, by the time I finished these forms, if yeah, I'm having same. a heart attack, I might be dead. <laughs> so we're going to skip. That is insane. We're going to skip that. <laughs> we're going to oh. just have my husband take me. He took me and they're like, yeah, I mean, my, my blood pressure was like 199 over 150. It was insane. And I am, oh. I am like someone who's worked out my whole life. I've oh. always had that you know, in my normal years, had that pretty 120 over 80 steady kind of thing going on. My heart race was like 120. And they're like, oh, okay, we need to get you this calm down, whatever this is. They slap on all these things to check my heart and all this. And I end up being there like six hours and they look at everything. And they're like, 
all your organs are fine. We are going to have you go see a cardiologist to make and wear something around for a month, but every, all your tests are coming back fine. My, everything came down. And, and so that was that visit 10 days later, similar. I, we were, I was unpacking at our new home. Similar thing happens. I go back to, I call my husband because I'm like, I don't think I should drive myself and hmm. go back to the ER. And there were a couple of other new symptoms this time. So they checked all those. Hmm. And at the end of it, there was a nurse is like, I think that you've got, I'm going to give you the name of a doctor. It ended up being a functional medicine doctor. Like they're going to ask other questions that a typical ER or just a doctor in general is going to ask, and they might be able to help you dig into it. So I wear the heart monitor thing. I go see the functional med doc and he's like, you got a lot of stuff going on here. And my husband at that point was like, so I think it might be time for therapy. I think it might be time to start unpacking all this is going on because I think you might be having anxiety attacks and because mm. anxiety and panic attacks, those symptoms will mimic what a heart attack feels like, yeah. which I did not know at that point. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not, a, he's like, been married for, at that point, it had been like 26 years. He goes, you have more anxiety than you would like to own. <laughs> I'll just say that. I'm like, what, what's your point? <laughs> the world, world is scary. There's a lot to worry about. I'm not anxious. I'm I'm on top of things. What do you mean? And he's like, mm, yeah, there we go. Exhibit A. Exhibit A. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I got to the doctor. He, it, there was some hormone stuff going on, obviously, you know, at that age where those things mm -hmm. start happening. But it was a lot of just getting some things balanced hormone-wise, some good supplements, but also starting to unpack my my junk that I had stored mm -hmm. up for all these years and from mm -hmm. from childhood, from just different traumas that happen in faith spaces, relationships, all these things. As women, we tend to feel like. There's a primary emotion going on every day. And if we're going to function, we're going to let that primary emotion rule and take care of everybody else around us and everything else gets stuffed and we'll deal with it later. We don't mm -hmm. deal with it later because there's mm -hmm. never time to deal with it later. We fill our schedules. But when it comes to, we also are very uncomfortable sitting in the quiet. We don't want to, you get quiet too long and it gets uncomfortable because those things mm. start unfolding themselves. And I found all this out through my journey. And as I was going through it, I'm like, I'm not the only one going through this and we got to start talking about this. People, women should not end up at my age. I've been healthy my whole life. I should not have gotten here. So what can we do to get women in their twenties, thirties, forties, or wherever, if you're 70, wherever you are in this journey, you deserve to live better than this. So let's start talking about it. Definitely. It's, it's a couple of things there. You know, it, it, it's interesting. The more people we have on the show, the, 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 the journey of traumas and mm -hmm. how trauma will and emotional damage and issues will manifest themselves physically in the body. It's like mm -hmm. a poison. And yes. so the poison in the mind gets manifested into health issues, cancer and other things. And, and so it's interesting how that works. It's also interesting. I, I was, I was hearing one time where we had somebody on the show or I, I can't, I'm blended in. I don't know if it was on the show or if it was uh, something else that I heard. And it, it talked about how 50 is kind of an interesting age where we all kind of maturate to a point where we can see our our past going really well. We've kind of spent a lot of time mastering life, 
subconsciously and we finally reached a point where it's starting to make sense to us i know males we understand things more at age 50 about the nuances of stuff you know people interactions things like that i think women yeah. you know they get that a whole lot sooner when they're younger and you know it was kind of interesting to me i had a lot of lights go on when i hit 50 and 52 like a lot of like a lot of awakening points where i'm like holy crap you know part of it is you can look back and you can see you know, this yeah. mess you've left behind. But there's also something that I believe someone said on the show recently that just kind of struck me, and or I heard it from some other show. But basically, your body, you, you may deal with trauma and you pack it away. And one of the reasons you hide it, I think it was on Sam Harris's show. And one of the reasons people bury their trauma is because at that point in their time, they can't deal with it, especially mm -hmm. with childhood trauma. Yeah. And so they bury it. Sometimes they forget about it. And what happens is you reach a certain age where somewhere your body or your, your mind, your subconscious mind goes, hey, we think you're mature enough to try and take this on. And it's an yeah. issue that you don't realize you have. So here it is. Have fun with that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of why. And so I think, I, I don't know, it's a curious stuff. I don't I'm not a scientist, yeah. and I that's all true, but you kind of yeah. just reach a point where your body goes, hey, here's some shit that you, is unresolved, and maybe you're mature enough to deal with it now. I think it's a maturity thing. It's also a safety thing, I think, too. Mm -hmm. You are in a safe enough space where it's time to unpack this, and your nervous system is just kind of alerting. Your nervous system and your brain will not allow you to unpack things until it feels like it's safe enough. So all those coping mm. mechanisms, and that's why we get into the, I get into the embracing layers piece, because we tend to beat ourselves up for mistakes, choices, avenues we went down. And it's like, mm. that's what you knew at the time. That's what you had available to you at the time. So those were coping mechanisms, but our nervous system doesn't always know, wait a minute, so if something other situation mimics that I was in a new town, a new move, a lot of change. So my nervous mm -hmm. system, even though I've moved several times, I was without kids moving for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. There were some just different variables there. And all of a sudden the lack of safety alarms went off and it took a while to unpack that, but you've got to retrain your nervous system. And then as you let your nervous system know, we're in a safe space here, your mind and your brain will start unfolding stuff and how far you get into it and heal really depends on what level of discomfort you're ready to sit in. If you're ready to face it, if you're ready to like, okay, I, there's some coping mechanisms that are unhealthy here. I need to make a shift. And I just decided, I mean, I had some kind of things going off in my head three years earlier in my late forties. They were like, I am not as content as I should be. I am not as at peace. I'm looking at my life. All these things are happening, but I've got this angst and this, I lived very like always on point. Like, nothing's going to surprise me. Nothing's going to get me very hypervigilant. And because of the spaces I had come up in and I'm not going to be surprised. I'm like, I don't need to, what's happening here. And mm -hmm. that, and which, you know, and I started writing at that point, but I was still, there was still a lot left to unpack. And I, for me, I had to get into therapy. I had to have some help in really? unpacking all of this. This was, I was not ever going to get to that point if I didn't get in some very specific therapy, start talking through this, identifying these things, acknowledging them. You can't mm -hmm. adjust things you haven't acknowledged or don't even know are there. And as I acknowledged one thing and let that heal, I, I used EMDR in my process with my 
therapist. That is a process that worked really well for me. It's not hypnotism, but it's kind of in that family. If you Google EMDR, I'm not going to give a justification scientific, justified scientific explanation here, but it was very helpful for me and it helped me kind of tap in and unpack that stuff and figure out where it came from. So all of a mm. sudden when my body was amping up, I could identify, oh, okay, this is from that experience. And my body thinks that I'm having that experience now. So I need to do some breathing exercises, go for a walk, do some yoga, just or just talk to myself and be like, we're not here. It's okay. We're safe. And retrain my nervous system that that's, you know, but if anything mimics that, it'll, you know, come up. And these swings were continuing to come up for me. And it was just a lot of stuffed stuff that wow. I hadn't unpacked and linked. And when you start making those links, and that can be hard in the beginning. I mean, a practice I use every day is to inform what I need that day is I write down all the emotions I'm feeling. We have a very, I think, in our society, unhealthy relationship with how we identify emotions. We consider them good or bad. I have mm -hmm. learned they're not good or bad. They're actually, they're clues. They're indicators. Oh. Now, what you do with them can be good or bad, depending on what your responses are. And if you don't have some tools, you may respond badly and maybe just not even know what's happening. But I, I'll sit down, and this is a practice I started about a year and a half, two years ago, I just name everything I'm feeling that day. And I think we have to realize we can, we are nuanced people. We are, mm -hmm. we can feel a lot of things at one time because I used to get really cringy when people would tell me all the time to be grateful. You just need to be more grateful. You just think I'm like, <laughs> and I was just like, I, that would make me, I'm like, shut up. Don't freaking tell me what to be. And I even coined it on our podcast. We have an, ep an episode called Weaponized Gratitude. And it's just about all those times that people told you to be thankful and shut up. And, wow. um, and so that's, so you can check that out on embracingleaders.com. But it was just, a, I had to like really get into that. What's behind this? And it was that mm -hmm. I had, you know, for me, and I think a lot of people in our generation heard, I heard if I started crying as a kid, dry it up, dry it up. You don't have anything to cry about. Mm -hmm. Emotions, un comfortable emotions were not welcome. And so I really? learned at a very oh. er, in my space that I was in. So mm -hmm. I learned at a very early age, not welcome here. And in the people that were around me, my brother, my younger, I was the oldest. So younger brother, I'm like, oh, don't do that. That's going to really fire things up in this situation. Oh. Calm down. You know, don't, you know, so those, so they, all that stuff got stuffed and I had to realize, mm -hmm. you know, I had things, I had grievings, you know, I lost my cousin when he, he, I was six, he was two in a tragic accident. I'd never grieved that. I was there as the child to make all the adults feel better, but there was no place for my grief in that. And I, you know, so those, I'm just giving a few examples of, if you don't process this stuff, don't dupe yourself into thinking it won't come up later. It will. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score and it does. And yeah. that's, that's what happened to me, but it happens to a lot of us. And it happens, you know, women are, are, are expected to kind of do all the things. Our society, our culture has created a space where you do all the things, be all the things all at one time. But don't you dare take a moment for yourself because that's selfish no. and there's no time for that. And so it's like hmm, that the joke is on the culture. The joke is on everyone, on us. That's not a sustainable way to live. And, and so stopping dealing with those emotions yeah as mm. you know like i said as a kid whatever environment you're in your face space your workspace your relationships 
allowing yourself to be and giving yourself grace. But if you don't do it, so if you're feeling a little funky, I think it comes up a lot in midlife because we just get to a point where, like you said earlier, we know enough about our life and there's things we just don't care about anymore. I, I just don't care if what that person thinks of me. They drain my energy and I don't need to keep that relationship alive. It's not healthy for me anymore. And if and I, I just don't care because it's too much of a cost for me or that job or that that faith space, whatever it is, that neighborhood gathering, whatever it is, we've just cared less than we did in our 20s and 30s when we were trying out to impress the world and, and make our way. And so that allows space for us to start uncovering things. That's been my experience and a lot of women I know too. There you go. So what does it look like to, as you call it, feel, F.E.E.L, for those who are in the audience that can't see this, what what is that concept of of feel look like? And and what are some of these layers? Give give some examples of what the layers are. Okay. So we, I wanted, when we started this podcast, I wanted it, I, I knew that one of my big issues for me was allowing room to feel everything, but I wanted it to mean something. It, there's a lot of stuff out there about feel this, feel that. What does it mean? And for me, it meant, and this was, a, this was work with my co-founders and our family members of what does this mean as we wanted to create something unique to us. And it's finding empowerment, embracing layers. And that's finding your empowerment, finding your inner strength, believing in your value. And for us, and for me, that really goes back to embracing your layers, which means accepting all those aspects of yourself for what they are. I think we need to take a little bit more of a neutral stance towards the choices we've made and really get into why we made them instead of just crucifying ourselves for mm. the bad choices. You know, take them for what they're worth, learn from them, own the mistakes, but don't let them identify us. Don't let them deplete our value. And we just, we have a really hard time with that, especially in a social media world. You see all the bright, shiny things, but no one wants to talk about the other stuff, but that's all part of what makes us who we are. And it doesn't mean you have to love it, but just at least acknowledge it, make space for it, own it and, and move forward and just keep moving forward. For my experience, the layers look like confidently setting healthy boundaries seeing the connection between your emotional health and physical health. I had that personal experience. I saw I didn't deal with my emotional health and it started showing up physically. My body started screaming at me. And sometimes when our bodies, we get diseases or issues or sick or anything, we get mad at our bodies. Our bodies are letting us down. No, mm -hmm. your bodies are crying for help. Your bodies are letting you know something needs to be dealt with. It looks like, how can we support ourselves and other women in living unapologetically? We have a very scarcity mindset. We're in competition all the time. And we don't realize that when I get successes, that makes more room for your successes. And I want you to come with me on this. I'm not trying to hmm. kick you off the ladder, but I think a lot of corporate America and those things, and, and, and to a certain degree, um, women in the workplace and how they're viewed, it's been, they've kind of been sold this narrative. There's only room for so much. There's not room for all of you. And I don't think that's true. I think the more, hmm. the more space we create makes more space an invitation. It's how you approach it. And if you approach it that yeah. way. So how do we there's show a rising, There's a rising tide for a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that. And so, yeah, it's that living out of our own expectations versus other people's expectations. If you're, I think that's what happens a lot in life too. You realize you went to college, you got the degree, you became whatever you became, the doctor, the lawyer, mm -hmm. the attorney, the 
you know, foundation founder, whatever it is you became, was that based out of your own expectations or your parents' expectations or family pressures or, you know, what that is? And a lot of times we'll hit that point. We're like, wait a minute. I have not been living out of my own expectations. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, what are your why? What are your values? You, we say yes to everything so many times as women. We don't stop and ask, does that align with who I am? Does that align with what I care about? What do I have time for? Mm -hmm. Or am I just people pleasing here because I'm afraid to upset somebody? So identifying those why and those values. And then, and then that will inform if you can get a hold of those things, those healthy boundaries, communicating those, living out of those expectations. It's going to make for a healthier you. You're going to make space mm -hmm. for you in your self care because you're going to have boundaries around your time. You're going to be living out of who you are. And it's also mm -hmm. going to make for healthier relationships. You're going to show up better when you feel better, when you've identified mm -hmm. who you are. And you're going to have people respond and react to according to how they see you play out. You may see a shift in your relationships because all of a sudden, all those people you were saying yes to all the time, if you start creating some boundaries with them, they may not like it. I mean, they may they may not want to see you shift. And so sometimes you get, it can be a lesson. It can be hard. And that's why, you know, this is an engagement practice. This may, this is not mm -hmm. for women that want a quick fix. You're going to have to engage with this, ask yourself some hard questions, but it starts in, in a bit, you know, I open all of our podcasts with women introduced by their character traits, not by what they do, because we don't know who we are. We identify by, our labels and our titles mm -hmm. and and our list of accomplishments, but if when those say if any of those things go away and you're taking a value hit, then that's time to stop and talk to yourself. Wait a minute, this is what I do, but who am I? And how mm -hmm. do, does who I am inform what I'm doing? Because if you're terribly unhappy what you're doing, it might be time to sit down and look at your character traits and be like, wait a minute, what's informing this? Um, mm -hmm. And so that all is tied into feel finding and through these practices i found in my own experience i brought on you know we just dropped our 75th episode last week mm -hmm. and we've had and women are coming on saying i yes i agree and the thing is is that the people that come on this show we have all ages all demographics all backgrounds faith spaces all that because i really want women to be able to go to our website and find someone they can connect with so the other thing about it is no one has arrived. We are on a continual journey. You're going to continue to unpack your layers, but you've got to make room to feel. If you don't make room to feel, you cannot operate as a robot. It's going to be very difficult to do this well in a healthy way. Definitely. I mean, it, it, it makes all the difference to the thing. So there's a lot to unpack there. Let me, let me try and dial back and, and see if I can go through some of it. One, one of the things you mentioned that was, uh, is being able to look at different emotional traumas that you had and mm -hmm. how those, you, you felt like you were, you were, you were in that place again, that maybe was in the past mm -hmm. and, and your brain was thinking, Hey, we're in that environment. It was creating that fight or flight, I believe sort yeah. of experience for you. And I, I think I remember where I was getting some of this data from it was the Sam Harris show and Arthur C. Brooks was on it. Um, mm -hmm. Wrote a book with Oprah Winfrey called build the yeah. life you want. Yeah. The science of getting happier. But one of the things, if I recall rightly, I could be wrong on this, but someone can message me if I'm not, but it was, he, he talked about that and, and basically you need to take that. And I think this is what you went through. You need to take that experience, that emotion and be able to disable the emotional 
uh, electricity that co that's connected to it and disempower that so it doesn't have that sort of firing on you. And you can tell your brain, like you said, you know, I'm not connected to that anymore. There was a few things that you unpacked. I think you referenced that society might be representative of some of them. One of them was the competition between women and, and uh, you know, all the things that go on with them, the workplace, et cetera, et cetera. And I've seen that in a lot of, a lot of my, a lot of, of the women I've been involved with, their, their competitive nature and, and how they do things. A lot of, a lot of this comes down, women's competitive nature, their, their nesting habits, they're, they're multitasking. You know, you guys have a much bigger memory brain center than we do. And, and, and these are all features, not bugs. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're there for a reason. I mean, you guys are, are designed to be hypervigilant in your nest to make sure there's, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing that can hurt the children. You know, you guys' whole bio nature is very different than men's. You know, it's, it's, it all comes down to hunter-gatherer. This is all caveman shit, really, when it comes down to it. We really like to think we're advanced and we're not. <laughs> and so, and so yeah, how, how can women, you know, like, for example, the competitive thing, that's mm -hmm. a nature thing. That's a, yeah. that's a female nature thing. You, you guys are gatherers and you guys compete for the best gatherers for your, your, the propagation of the species and, and your, your children in your nest. And you're going to be competitive hyper with other women to get the best resources. That's just, that's just how I, everything we do is to propagate the species. So. How do you how do you balance that or disengage that? Because I've seen that competitive cutthroat nature that women have towards each other, even as they smile at each other. How do you, how do how do you unpack those layers or resolve those issues? Or you know how do you how do you how do you is there a way to do that? I, uh, first of all, I I think we have to prescribe to the idea that we're better together. The more yeah. we're working together, the more of us trying to find those good resources together, the mm -hmm. more we're going to find you as a singular person can only move the bar so far. That's just, yeah. you know, if you are a, a woman in a space, a workspace with 12 men, it's going to be very, you're just going to be limited to what you can do. But if they, if you can get in there and make space and invite other women into the space, you're going to move the needle together farther, better. It's just, but I think that that's not what we've been told. We've been told we got to fight. And women have to quit fighting like men fight and start using our tools and our gifts of engagement and how we connect with people and how relationships are important to us to connect rather than and, and show up as women show up not feeling like we have to show up as a man. That's my, mm -hmm. that is what I have viewed. And that if we work together, we're going to collect more good. We're going to find more good resources because more of us are going to be out there together, bringing it back. So instead of just finding those few enough good things for your pod right here, we're going to find a lot more good things because we're going to cover more ground. Mm -hmm. We're going to get more of our voices heard we're going to find more resources and that just opens up more bounty for everyone. That is what I have found has worked for me. So it's starting with being, but you got to be comfortable in your own skin first as a woman. There, mm -hmm. If there are insecurities and fears that are built into that, you got to unravel that. You're not going to be able to not feel threatened and to be willing to invite people in until you're okay in your own skin and your own value. And that means 
that if I lose this job tomorrow in this C-suite executive, I'm no less valuable than I was the day before. I might need a paycheck soon. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that condo payment might be hard to make. Definitely. But, but my value, who I am, my why for existing, that's mm -hmm. all still there. So, there so I think it's all, so you got to get to that space first. And it's very difficult to do. It's very difficult because people know us. That's the first thing somebody asks you when they meet you. So what do you do? So what do you do? And for women, they feel like to justify their value in this world, they've got to have a laundry list of all their accomplishments or they won't be seen as worthy or valuable. And I've learned I've got to get to a place where like, I'm good. You know, I, you know, I had, I'm good. This is, this is, I'm, I'm passionate. I am, I, I'm fiery. I'm loyal. That's who I am. That's who you're going to get. And I'm going to invite other people in. I love relationships. But you have to get okay with that stuff. And if you're not okay with that stuff, if you feel like your value is only true, intrinsic, inherent, based on knocking everybody down as you go up, you're not inviting anybody to come with you because you're fearful. You're scared. You're scared mm -hmm. of losing that. And so it starts with our own journey of getting it good with ourselves before we can feel okay. And that's hard because there's a lot of voices around us. I mean, it's still hard. Women still aren't paid equally in the workplace. You know, this is still a true thing in America in a lot of spaces. It's getting better. It's improved. Opportunities are way better than they've been. They've never been better. But I think we can continue to increase those opportunities if we show up together as a unit rather than as singular people. I I would uh, I would we've had several people on the show about the money thing. I on I, when I was younger I studied Harvard Business Review and uh, Harvard Business put forth these things and I remember and this is in the 80s I remember reading uh this thing that one of the challenges that women had was because of their their cattiness and their competitive with each otherness and that you know competing for resources like I said it's a feature not a bug. And I think it's important that we need to start identifying what is behavior by nature and biology as opposed to blaming society for everything because society i've never seen a billboard saying hey you should act this way or be this way women's value to society is part of their nature i mean that's that's how they're valued they're they're seen very differently than men men were were based upon performance and in building things women are based upon beauty and their value and how society sees them and their image and and we don't have that you know i mean some of the things you've described as as not caring about your image anymore that's very masculine that's a masculine trait not a feminine trait but one thing i heard from one of the early leaders of of feminism is she said one of the problems that women have nowadays is it used to be they were very women are communable communal mm -hmm. by nature they're very yeah. egalitarian they they're very social you know when you guys get together you talk you know men we just hang out and it used to be that in the tribe and all comes back to cave and stuff you know women would get together and they would have the elder women that would guide them and and teach them and talk and they would do stuff together and and they you know the dopamine goes up you know all that chemical stuff that increases happiness and joy and fulfillment and being a community and you know now we you know we live in this thing where everyone's separated you know you're not even living close to your relatives anymore yeah. you know you don't have the elder women to to guide the younger women 
and say, you know, that's probably not going to be something that's going to be a behavior that's going to work well for you. You know, now we just got TikTok telling women to go out and have hot girl summers and rack up triple digit body counts. You know, then we have other women that are going, I don't know that that was the right thing for me to do because I really can't fall in love anymore and I have emotional damage from it. So, you know, there's a lot of this going on, but I think, you know, like what you're doing, you're, it seems like you're trying to rebuild that community where women can have that community where they can, you know, they can at least recognize some of the competitive nature. You know, I've been yeah. single all my life and every girlfriend I ever had comes home. And I think just about every man can attest this that I know that's married. You know, our, our wives or girlfriends will come home and what they'll describe about what they say are their friends or the people at work are the sort of things where I would just go, why don't you just murder them? Because that's what <laughs> I do as a man. I mean, that's usually yeah. how I get them to stop it. I just go, why don't you just go kill fucking Betsy? Just just kill, <laughs> just kill, murder Betsy. They're like, it's not that bad. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you talk about your friends like I talk about my enemies. Yeah. But, you know, but you understand the, the nature of, of, of women and competitiveness. And it's a feature, not a bug. I mean, I think it's important people recognize that, hey, yeah. there's a reason this is here for the propagation of species. Women compete with other women for the best DNA, for the highest quality resources they can get because they're trying to, you know, give their children the best shot at, at the future. It's all, you know, we're just, we're just animals breeding for the universe at this point. You know, that's, that's what it wants. So <laughs> thereby we go. So let's get into here some other stuff as we round out. So how have you kind of reached a point where you're, where you're doing current self-care practices, how have you, how have you developed and, in, and gotten into your own self-care and resolved some of the things we talked about at the beginning of the show? It goes back to that practice I talked about earlier. If I sit down every day and I write down everything I'm feeling, and that informs what I need that day. So if I'm mm -hmm. feeling anxious, excited, I might need more of a super a hit workout, cardio workout, something that's going to mm -hmm. really work that stuff out. You know, mm -hmm. boxing work, something that's going to, really work that stuff out. If I'm tired and I'm drained, I just might need a good stretch. I might need some yoga to just kind of work out. I might be sore from a workout the day before, or I may just need, if I'm, if my anxiety is really ramped up and that hit workout didn't work, like I'm nervous about a new you know, project that's coming or, you know, dealing with a hard relative or whatever it is, then sometimes on those days, I've, I'll do used box breathing exercises where I'll just stop really? once an hour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you take two minutes, stop once an hour. You can Google box breathing. It's that four, seven, eight practice. And I'll take two, I'll put my timer on and for two minutes and that resets my nervous system. But it starts yeah. with me every day. I got to see where I'm at and what do I need today? Now there's some practice. I try to walk daily because I know for my physical health and, and my getting outside is important for me. So there's some things that are just, I always try to do every day. But then within that, do I need something different? Do I just need to read? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever it is, but it starts for me with acknowledging what I'm feeling and then forming my self-care around that. There you go. I like what you said there earlier. You said, you know, deciding what I need for the day or, or feeling where I'm at. I, I, I don't have that exact what you said, but you basically are doing a self-awareness practice from mm -hmm. what it sounded like to me and yeah. going, you know, where am I at? How, how, what, what do I need? And, and you know, the one thing about self-care is, and, and, and God bless mothers 
and 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 women because they they serve so many of us to eat last you know all that sort of thing you know mom was always so busy cooking and taking care of you and and she takes care of herself last and the problem is if if your personal bucket isn't full if your self-care isn't full if you aren't full it's hard to give to others and if you're constantly yeah. giving your bucket's always empty and yeah. i think that's where a lot of things that go out and, you know, some of that I believe is, is based in nature, but also, you know, I think it's important that we look at nature and go, okay, there's probably a better way to process this. that's yeah. more stable because a lot of the nature we've talked about on the show, when I've said that it's a feature, not a bug, these were okay when we lived in caveman times, right? but we're not living in caveman times where you, you can kind of, I, I don't think they were kicking back in the caveman times, but, you know, times were simpler. Let's put it that way. You didn't yeah. have a corporate boss and you didn't have 50,000 things coming at you and kids in schools and, you know, these millions of things that go on every day for, for modern world. You know, we're, we're overloaded. Both mm -hmm. men and women, we're, we're, we're substantially overloaded. And then social yep. media on top of that and, mm -hmm. and all this crazy stuff. One thing that's important, too, that I remember hearing this feminist gal talk about, she talked about how one of the reasons women really seem to have a lot of, they really seem to enjoy events like the Women's March and some of these marches where they get together, events where they get back together, is 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 there's a, there's, there's a symbiotic thing that we have where being within each other's reach and it, it part of it's with the brain so when we're when we're looking through 2d screens like this we're not seeing the full features and body language of each other yeah. but there's a whole different way our brain processes stuff when we're physically near each other and we can see our whole body's body language and process like we're, we're still not designed for these 2d screens you know yeah. we're looking at these things all day long and so there's so much of a more of a dopamine mm -hmm. serotonin you know all that stuff that goes on when we're together as people in person and as humans and i think we need more of that yeah it just it, that it creates the community and that's exactly mm -hmm. it we we and we gain strength from that when we gather together we feel like we're we're fighting for the same thing we're on the same page mm -hmm. together and because you mentioned earlier you the way things used to be set up with learning from the generations ahead of us. I, that's so powerful. And that's yeah. why we have women of all ages and backgrounds on our show as part of this, because we can all learn from each other. We need, we, we need that wisdom, but we also need, I think the uh, older people can learn from the youngers too, because listen, the youngers have been through things that we haven't been through. My, my daughters had to go to school during COVID. No one, no one, none of my 70 year old friends had to go to school during a pandemic. I mean, so there's, there, I think it's being, but that continual, I can learn from you. I, the multi-generational relationships are so important. It's so important to see and honor what's been done before us and the wisdom mm -hmm. that is garnered from that. And it's also so important to see what's coming. And, and the energy within it, encourage that, affirm that. I'm a big, big fan of mentorship. Take mm. those skills, take those things you've learned, offer them up, help the other people, bring them with you. And because it's through that community that we, that we are stronger and better and healthier. I mean, everyone knows yeah. we are healthier when we come together and do that. And that's the idea is let's create a community 
for these mm. conversations, for this safe space where people can come in and have these things and know someone's there supporting them. And, and, mm. and where there's somebody with resources that they didn't know about before. Oh, that might be helpful for me because we all have to figure out our own way for this. You talked about my self-care earlier. Mm. It's different for everybody. I need things mm. differently than some of my friends or girlfriends need. What works for them to work out their anxiety may not work out for me. So you also got to be patient mm. within the process. But but by listening, learning, you might hear something, learn something that can be helpful and beneficial, but it's just the affirmation and encouragement that we gain. It's so uplifting and it's so, and it's how we, it's, we're better together. We are better together. Definitely. Definitely. I, it, it, it's, it's the world we live in is so disjointed and now people don't even really get together anymore. They don't go out to eat. They don't. I was just hearing some studies recently that, you know, they're going to be probably you know a lot of diners and restaurants and and uh, you know places that maybe have fast food and they have like a a side area where people can eat like those are sitting empty now because people mm. just aren't coming back from the the thing yeah. and yet we have depression higher than ever and everything else and yeah. and we we need to be together more and and that's the other thing too we're not together in the office too yeah we're, yeah we're really starting to suffer because we're not around other human beings and our brains actually need that from the people we've had on the show who are the scientists that, that talk yeah. about all this stuff. I forget what they're called, but, but we need that interaction. Mm -hmm. And that's why we feel so good when we get together with somebody over lunch or dinner, yes. breakfast, we hang out, you know, we do the whole thing and we have less of that now than ever before, but community is so important. And then as you mentioned earlier, you touched on knowing that we're not alone. Sharing yeah. each other's stories, knowing that we're yeah. not alone, uh, that there are people that have resources around us that survived whatever sort of cathartic moments we want go through. And so having that journey is great. So tell us more about what you do on your website, some of the offerings you do. Evidently, you're trying to build that community or you, are, you have yeah. built that community, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so if you go to embracinglayers.com, you're going to find a sources page. That's where you can go to find the sources that all of our guests have shared that help them, either how they can help you or things that they use that can be helpful to you for whatever it is you're looking for source of books, podcasts, exercises, journaling, whatever it is, you know, guests offer that. So sources page is a big, it's a great resource. We also have our social media is all on there. So you can follow us on social media and engage. We have a very engaged Instagram group. We're growing our LinkedIn more and more and our Facebook. Those are the really three primary. We have TikTok. That's starting to grow more and more too. We're reaching people over that. We're working on our YouTube page, but we have a Substack community. So if you really want to interact with us in conversation, you can get mm -hmm. the link to our Substack community. That's where our sub Substack subscribers get all of our links to our blogs first. They get our newsletters first. Any new thing that we've got coming up, previews, they will be the first ones that have a chance to be part of our launch group for our book that's coming out in February. So, and But that's where each week you can go look at the blog and we give ways to engage with each episode on there. So after you've listened to an episode and read the blog about the background, there's ways to engage where that you really, you're sitting and you're asking yourself questions. You can comment in the sub stack and give feedback or just say, I'm struggling with this. Does anybody have any insights on that? So that's really that Substack community is where you can go and get, it gets a little more personal, more specific to each episode and each thing that's going on. 
And those are the big ways. If we have a contact form. If you want to be a guest, you think, I've got something to offer here. I'd like to talk to her and see about being a guest. If you would like me to come talk to you about what we've talked about today and talk to your group and present, use the contact form. If you want to know about more about a radio show that's coming up, go to the contact form. Those are all the different ways you can engage through that. But I really encourage you know start following us in in and being because that's how you're part of the community you can listen to the episodes but if you don't engage with us on social media engage with us in the sub stack i can't unfortunately be with you in the room everywhere every day but we <laughs> but, you know that's just not how this yeah. works it's worldwide but but bringing people in that's but all of that is there on embracingleaders.com we have several tabs that are linked to that it gives history of us you can learn more about our staff you can learn about my why why mm -hmm. I'm doing this, all those things. It's, uh, it's right there. And that's, and that's in, and if you go put embracing layers in or on your, if you Google embracing layers, it's going to automatically lead you to our different social media platforms. There you go. You guys ever do anything with self accountability? We do. I mean, that a lot of that comes up in the conversation. I mean, you mm -hmm. have to be accountable for the things you've done, haven't done, mm -hmm. felt, haven't felt and then accept that okay listen yeah. i really messed up there i was really bad in that relationship i treated them really poorly mm -hmm. and instead of just stopping there and crucifying yourself like okay what was that rooted in why did mm -hmm. i do that so i can make sure i don't do that again where did that come from was it a product of the environment was it a product of something i experienced was it my own fear what was that Trauma. Yeah, trauma, whatever, unravel that so that mm -hmm. you can heal it and not do it again. But Dang. you can't do any of this work without the accountability in your piece and owning that you get to decide how well you're going to live your life. At the end of the day, you have, we always have a choice. We mm -hmm. don't have it in, in a circumstance. We don't have a choice. Life happens. It comes. There are things every day that happen to us that we don't choose. But you mm -hmm. do get to choose how you show up in it. You do get to choose how you respond or don't respond. You do get to choose who you engage with and choose to have in your life. Those are all choices. So I'm really like the word victim, I get a little cringy about, you know, mm -hmm. because yes, in a moment when things happen, absolutely a victim. But what are you doing from there to move forward from that mm -hmm. and heal from it and and because that doesn't change your value, you're still valuable. So what are you going to do to get, you know, if you're not feeling valuable from that horrible thing that happened to you and that situation, you had no control over it. You now have a choice of what you do with that. Um, mm -hmm. And it's okay to sit in it for a while. It's okay to, because I think sometimes we have to be careful with the accountability that we don't sit in the muck first and feel it because we don't feel the sadness, feel the anger, feel all that. It's going to creep up later. So sit in it figure out the root of it, but then keep moving forward, heal from mm -hmm. it, be better, keep learning. I think we've got to get rid of this idea that we get to a certain age and we're done learning. We can't learn anymore. What's happened has happened. I can't change. I'm just going to be a grump the rest of my life. That's a choice. That's a mm -hmm. choice. And is that really how you want to show up for you? Is that really how you want to show up for your people? And yeah. um, you know, so that's for, so it's, this whole thing is wrapped in accountability about the choices you make to decide what kind of life you want to live and, and be and the choices you have within that, how you want to perceive the kind of relationships you want to have, the spaces you want to be in. Yeah. 
And I think the, I think one of the challenges is, and it comes into nature, that you know the the value is based the society gives is based upon image and and uh, and so people want to defer taking accountability from certain things because yeah. they're worried about their image and their value in society and how they'll be valued. And, uh, and so that, that seems to become a thing. And we, we've gotten this into this victim victimhood competition society where everyone's trying yeah. to out victimize each other. If you, if you read most, you know, news things nowadays that, you know, aren't off, they're kind of off news, you know, you'll read about some celebrity or whatever the hell. And you, it always starts out with this victim. Oh, I was a victim of this. And I, and you're like, I think you put yourself in that situation there. Sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. I mean, sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. But, and re, but regardless, moving forward from that, you've got, you know, and, you know, mm -hmm. that can be hard. If that happened to you when you're five years old, your choices are limited. But at some yeah. point, you know, when you're 25 and this stuff's coming up in therapy or it's coming up in your relationships, you then have a choice to decide which way you're going to go. Are you going to continue to make these bad choices and, and use that as a crutch or an excuse to make these bad choices? Or are you going to mm -hmm. let you're going to get to the root of that, heal it and be better for it. See your value because hurt people hurt people. I mean, that's just what yeah. it is. And, you know, and so it's so you have to decide what you're going to do with that because bad life is hard. Bad stuff happens. Life is yeah. not fair. There are groups and people and societies that get things happening to them that aren't fair, that are wrong. So it's mm -hmm. then, okay, am I going to just sit and be discouraged and not allow myself to live a life and use, I'm, I can't live a life. I'm always treated badly. Yeah. That, that can't, both things can be true. You can always be treated badly because of X, but you can also mm -hmm. choose, okay, how am I going to make this better? How am I going to still live my best life within this? Yes, this is true, but also, and I think that's the other thing too, is we, if we decide if I move from this, that I'm saying that's not true anymore. No, that's still true. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not any less true, but you are now have chosen to live your best, healthiest life, heal, not let that situation hold you back and, and make you feel bad. You've decided to take that and, and move forward with it and be the best version of yourself you can be. Exactly. You stop using it as your identity. It's probably right. Yes. Identity. Absolutely. hundred percent. hundred percent. I've seen a few things in life. Yeah. And that's what some people do. They take their victimhood yeah. and they use it as an identity. And for, yeah. for many times it's, it's a, an attention and validation thing. It's a way to get more attention and validation. And it's an interesting economy. Mm -hmm. So a final question for you, because I think these are an interesting thing whenever I hear somebody ask it. What, what would you tell or uh, what would you tell your 25-year-old self? Mm. I would tell my 25-year-old self to quit worrying about what everybody else thinks. Just yeah. quit. You're not going to please everybody. So what mm -hmm. do you what do you need? What do mm -hmm. you care about? What is what is your priority? What are you passionate about? And then the people that love you and are for you are going to show up and be with you. And if the others don't show up and be with you, then they're probably not something that's healthy to have in your life anyway. But quit worrying about all that. Everybody else's thoughts and what saying no is going to mean. If they value it all, it's not going to be that big of a deal. And then, And if they don't value, then you, again, probably don't want them around anyway. So that would, that would be what I would tell my, because I spent so much time trying to keep everybody happy and balance all the balls. I don't want to disappoint anyone. And I, you know, yeah. 
Because, and that can, you know, if you're doing that, that came out of a fear of if I don't show up this way for everybody, I won't be loved. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am only valued for how I service and show up in these ways. So if I don't do that, and if that's how your life is working, you need to really look at who's in your life and why. And yeah. that's what I would tell my 25 year old self. There you go. There you go. It's been very insightful and a wonderful story and overcoming and, and that you can share with others. Melissa, thank you very much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris, for the opportunity. I appreciate it. There you go. Give us your dot coms. And I think give us a plug for the title of your book. If you have the title. Yeah. Yeah. Em- em- embracinglayers.com. Our book, Embracing Layers Unapologetically. It's for that woman who doesn't want to listen to a podcast. She'd rather read a book. It's got very actionable steps based on our first four seasons, ways to engage, inviting you into the community, but just a different avenue. That will come out hopefully sometime February 2024. It'll be called Embracing Layers Unapologetically. It'll be available on on Amazon. You'll be able to find it there. Our Embracing Layers radio show kicks off January 1st, 360 Talk Radio Network for Women app. Check it out there. And then the Field Pop, Embracing Layers, the Field Podcast is on Apple Podcasts. You can search us there. You can search us on Spotify. And again, embracinglayers.com is going to have links to all of that. There you go. It's going to be wonderful. And creating a community is so important. I think we need more communities. And yeah. maybe we all need to get together more and, and quit. You know, the, all this stuff is just breaking our brains by by not being in person and seeing yeah. each other. And and I think it's a, it's a good thing to, to, I don't know, maybe we need to get in the streets and unite over something more often. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Thank you very much, Melissa, for coming on the show. You bet. Thanks, Chris. There you go. And thanks for us for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris, Chris, Chris Foss, one of the tickety talkity. Subscribe to the big LinkedIn newsletter. That thing's crazy over there. And the 130,000 LinkedIn as well. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you next time.